Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This might be what you've been waiting for, and you might be scared to death. I've been thinking of nothing but you for all these years. Hello, London. Hello, lovers. This is And Just Like That, The Writer's Room, the official companion podcast of And Just Like That from Max. I'm Michael Patrick King, writer, director, and executive producer of And Just Like That. And I'm here in our podcast writing room, sitting with the people that I sit around a real writing room with every day. To my left... Julie Rottenberg. Hi. Executive producer, writer, director... Susan Fales-Hill. Consulting producer, writer... Elisa Zaritsky. Executive producer, writer, and... Samantha Irby. Supervising producer and writer. Well, today we are talking about, and just like that, final, final episode of season two called The Last Supper, The Entree. If you haven't seen this episode, please, I beg you, we all beg you, go turn us off and go watch it now because this is the ultimate spoiler alert. And we really want you to not know what's coming. And I would like to know who wrote and directed this episode. Well, I wrote this episode infused with all of our hopes and dreams from the writing room that started way before we even started production. What's great about a finale when it's good from the writing point of view is you have been driving to this. Every storyline. You know where you're supposed to wind up. You're not sure how you're going to get there. You know, we have hopes and dreams for these characters. And this season, season two, was really about all of these seven principal characters, not to mention their loved ones. But, like, what did we want to do with them? And our goal was to grow everybody and to literally give them a seat at the table, which is what the last episode is about, this Carrie Bradshaw dinner party. I'm curious. Alisa? I am going to ask you a question as a writer because you did write this finale. What's your feeling going into actually putting all of our thoughts and dreams, as you say, into the scripts? Like, tell us just a little bit about your writing process. I like a real challenge. And I care so much about the work we've done through episodes one to 10, that even 10, when we were writing it, I was like, we had this idea. And what we loved about this was that we moved Carrie out and it was an empty apartment. So the idea of these characters all being together in one place is an idea that was very hard earned. And so when I sit down to write something, my first responsibility is to those characters and to what our dreams were. So I like a challenge. So this challenge of this was our new characters, some we know very well now, and some like Smoke and Lisette are still a little unknown, even though we've dived into their waters, but it's fun to do this. And we wanted to include them. It was important to have, we wanted everyone in that little space. Well, it's so beautiful to have 
emotional closure with everybody and symbolically the fact that everyone really does have a seat at the table in the new iteration of this show. Anyway, so this episode also has the other question is, is there enough to do basically a cliffhanger? So we leave Carrie with a devastating moment with Aiden Mm. saying that he should have been in Virginia and if he had been there, his child wouldn't have been injured in his mind. In the, speaking of guilt, and which par- is what you do as a parent, yeah, coulda, woulda, shoulda. And then Carrie says at the last voiceover, and just like that, for the first time, I was worried. So the very first moment of this is, and the strangest thing about this from production is Carrie's in the same outfit in two different episodes. She ends episode. 10 and it's the morning and we want to let everybody know it's oh, I mean there's so much math involved in this and you know sometimes you just write a thing to get you to the idea and then uh, you yeah. abandon it like the <laughs> met ball we had the idea they were going to go <laughs> so I just needed the idea of unlucky 13 for her to say to Aiden please come to the party because it's unlucky and then it was 16 anyway <laughs> and then the idea of what time is it what time is it when Carrie's getting the last scene in episode 10 and the first scene in this, so I figured it's like an hour and a half later, Carrie's coming in. And there's also a very important time moment coming up in a second, which is a very big moment, which is a call from London. But the episode starts with Carrie coming in and, and the audience hears that Aiden's in Virginia on the phone and he got Wyatt home and he I can't talk and she says, go, go, I love you. So anyway, she opens the door and there's her little kitten and her phone rings and it's a call and it's Samantha. Now, of course, there was a huge spoiler alert and a huge leak. I think and, the opposite of a spoiler. Yes. Yeah, there was no <laughs> alert. It was just a spoiler that Samantha leaked, the call leaked, because my goal for us was to have Carrie pick up her phone and look at it, see the word Samantha and have the audience's head blow off. So when it comes around the sentimentality of something called The Last Supper, it's hard to not imagine that Samantha would have gotten a call from Charlotte and Miranda and saying, hey, Carrie's doing The Last Supper. And this time it's real. She's leaving this apartment. Because, you know, I always in my multiverse Mm -hmm. of and just like that, Sex in the City, <laughs> they were always talking, always. And it was the texting and talking and not just Carrie, but Samantha and yeah. Miranda and Charlotte. Because they would have, especially something like this. But and we had laid off the texting this season because I felt we were going to the well too well, much. And there's yeah. that, that old uh, rule, off stage is no stage. Yeah. Well, and we established <laughs> so, it. I feel yeah. like we established they're in touch. The, the bruise has healed. So anyway, Samantha calls and she's quite upset because the plane has been fogged in and the crew timed out and she was going to come for the Last Supper because Miranda and Charlotte told her, which I think is such a Samantha thing to do. Like, And Carrie says, she says she's fucking furious. <laughs> and then Carrie says, well, we'll, we'll see. We'll go out tomorrow. And, and then you realize, oh, it's casual. Yeah. Yes. It's not like some giant moment that they're talking. It's like, we'll go out tomorrow when you're here. It's no big deal. And Samantha says, I can't come because it's too late. I'm on my way back. And Carrie says, you were only going to come for one night, is really the friendship. It's Mm -hmm. so moving. It's like the flowers at the funeral. Yeah, you were only going to come for one night. And she says, attention must be paid. And then she says, hold the phone up. Put me on speaker and hold up that phone. All right, you're on speaker. 
Thank you for everything. You fucking fabulous, fabulous flat. I, Samantha, do you have a British accent? Who's Samantha? This is Annabelle Bronstein. I'm from Inja. Ta and cheerio. And have a great night. Ta. And she says, fucking fabulous, fabulous flat Mm -hmm. with a slight British accent. And then we do a callback, a (laughs) 20-something year year callback to Samantha at the Soho House. I had to be reminded who this was, by the way. Do you think? I I think it's a memorable one. It's a very memorable one. Annabelle Bronstein. (laughs) Anyway, so she references herself in a very fun episode of Sex and the City that we hoped the viewers would remember. And then it's just we'll a laugh. We'll find out, I'm sure. <laughs> and, then the, the, and then the phone calls over and something amazing happens after they say goodbye, which is uh, Samantha kisses the phone, which I think is which so- Which was, by the way, not in the script. Not in the yeah. script. It's just totally a moment of an actor playing a moment. Huh. And mm, it's really nice. nice. And Carrie hangs up. And then she turns and she sees the jeopardy of the cat going out the door. You know, that's her version of child abuse. Yeah, life goes on. <laughs> the cat is headed towards the, store, the stairs. And, and then you come from this moment into the Charlotte story, which is the hangover of Oh, my of God. Life. Nothing made me happier than seeing Charlotte face down in her clothes. By the way, we had a was, discussion. there was a big discussion about this, of whether she'd be in her pajamas. And I love that she, she wasn't. She, that made me She so was happy. out cold in her Thierry Mugler and suit. Her, her face down. By the way, I, and since I directed it, I could say to Kristen, put your face down in that pillow. Into face down. Like, <laughs> Most likely, there's no way you're even breathing. <laughs> Most likely still drunk, not even hungover. Just right. still drunk. Right. And then she lifts her head up. And, and all the sheets off her, like her bed is always so perfect. Yeah, no, it's not a perfect Charlotte, but it's my new favorite Charlotte with the <laughs> eye makeup running down her face, she, the hair in her face, and she turns around like she's in slow motion. And she, Harry is there uh, wanting a medal, I guess, for getting the kids up. It's funny that husbands think they're helping, and that's the line. And I think that's the relatable thing. Because Harry says, I can't do it all. But like that idea, first of all, this is a thought she's probably had before that she's never said out loud. But because he pushed her to it and she's still drunk. And her head hungover, hurts. Is she is finally I, I love honest. that she whispers this. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> her I head agree. is throbbing. I agree. <laughs> so it's not Very a restrained. It is. But it but does, so com- it does seem like it is coming from the deepest vel- well <laughs> of her of generation. Yeah. She's like speaking for her mother and her grandmother well, and her what, friends. What and women have been doing. Yes. Have been yes. expected to do. You are doing yes. the bare minimum, and she it's says. it's really Charlotte's declaration of independence, and she's saying, "I am good at this job," which is her arc that yeah. we've been building towards since we started talking in a writing room way before we were in production. Where are we taking Charlotte? It's such a thrilling completion, and it it bookends the speech where she says, "Harry says, go be everything," right, but as long as I bring him his everything bagel. Yeah. Yeah. And 
And then we go through the terror of, can I do this? And am I skinny and enough? First, and first, and, no, I can't. No, they I can't. need me too much. No, yeah. it's really it's, Charlotte returning to a new Charlotte, which is, you know, a declaration of not interdependence. You're on your own. Yeah, right. You yeah. have to do this because I'm on my own. And it starts, the reason it, it, the conversation even starts is because um, Anthony has stopped by. Right. And he wants to talk about whether he should lose his ass virginity. <laughs> now, that's a case that's where off stage is perfectly fine. <laughs> it is not. You don't need to see it when Harry— Unless it's, you're a proctologist. <laughs> right. I mean, you don't want to be on this w- When Harry says it, it's better than Anthony saying it. Harry saying ass virginity. <laughs> and then my favorite line— it's a whole Willy won't he situation. <laughs> it's our spin of rom-coms. <laughs> because Anthony has come up against literally uh, a wall in that relationship, which is he doesn't get fucked. But the reality is it's a perfect example of how you have to keep literally balls in the air. Well, yeah, we're going to give Charlotte her moment, but we also have to keep Anthony's story in the air and give it to Harry and find comedy out of it. So she basically lays down the law, and it's the new Charlotte, and she doesn't have a phone, and that's why she surprised Anthony is there because he called her, and she doesn't even know where her phone is because she threw it in a picture of margaritas. And I, I like farting. picturing Anthony in the kitchen like... Poking around, maybe peckish, eating something. I didn't need to see that. More I like nervous just having picturing fiddle him. Fiddle right. his go-to yes. anxiety food. A little Ziploc of fiddle faddle that he tri- and, travels with. And then just, you know, unloading to the next best thing to Charlotte, which is Harry. Right. Yeah, and of course, I, Charlotte's mother does surface when she says, he didn't say that in front of the children. Yeah, exactly. right, right, exactly. right, right. But what I do love about this anal virginity story is it's not just about the ass. It is about who he thinks he Deeper. is yeah. and his emotional terror of really surrendering. Yeah. So it goes... Not to get yes. vulgar, a bit deeper. It does, yeah. <laughs> and it is part, again, of his arc that we wanted to do. We have Mario Cantone, who is by far such a skilled clown. I mean, and I say that with the ultimate oh compliment. Right. I mean, if I think someone's a clown, I mean, any joke we write for him, he hits out of the park. Any area that isn't even a joke, he makes a joke. So our yeah. goal was to give him something to play to deepen that character as well as we're deepening Charlotte's. Like Anthony has to be more than the the, the court jester. Mm-hmm. Not that it's not fantastic, but we have a series for a reason. And we'll, we'll to never- To grow people. The next character that we want to check in with is Naya because her arc this season was First of all, very vulnerable, not knowing who, I hate to say it, who she was if she wasn't having Cacio Pepe with Andre, Mm -hmm. Rashad. And so even though she's an accomplished, accomplished, a scholastic leader, she still is vulnerable on her own. And then we took her through her amusement park of sex Mm -hmm. and through the pain uh, and the comedy, really, of seeing Andre Rashad do that terrible misstep as sending, inviting her to the baby shower. Mm-hmm. So we wanted Thank to, you, Samantha Irby. We wanted <laughs> to. Yes. It oh was really important for us to give her another job recognition. And we talked a lot about how that would happen. It's the split personality of the high and the low of all these characters and the high achievement of Naya being a... a, a, a a tenured professor at Columbia. And we wanted to reflect that in in view of what we knew we were going to do 
with her the rest of this episode. So we have Jean, uh, played by the brilliant Andre DeShields. Broadway legend. Broadway legend, Tony Winner, come in as, I guess, her mentor at Columbia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's this amazing, weighty, poetic character. Mm-hmm. And he announces to her that even though he just submitted her to the prestigious American Law Institute, she has been unanimously voted in. And it's great to see Naya thrown and surprised a little bit. And also fun fact about Andre De Shields, this this he is also one of the few actors who has been on Sex and the City in the universe uh, twice because he played uh, Charlotte's tap dancing instructor in well, that tap dancing instructor went to law school. <laughs> it's I a mean, long look, line. Look, he's he's there too are, good to just have there one. Are, and there are certain actors that you make you, an exception you for. Justin Theroux was yeah. on Sex and the yeah. City twice because he was just like, well, who else is going to be better in that part than him? So when I sat down to write Gene, I was like, well, it has to be someone royal. And it has to be someone black royalty and scholarly and poetic. And I just wrote it really with Andre in mind. And we just said, would you do this? And he came in and he was letter perfect. But what he says that's important is you're a jewel and everyone at Columbia knows it. Because the only person who doesn't know it in that moment is Naya. Mm -hmm. Because she's feeling not chosen Mm -hmm. by her ex-husband. And it's also the reality of grief, that the first time something incredible happens to you, you want to share it. Well, the story point being that she says to Miranda, she comes home and says to Miranda, this amazing thing happened, but... I want to go back to what you just said. I don't think it's that she doesn't feel chosen by her ex. She wants that kind of love and connection with someone. I think she knows it wasn't right with Andre Rashad. And this was something we had a big debate about when she comes home and says, you know, my first impulse was to call... Andre Rashad, which that part I think we all agreed with. The idea being when something wonderful happens to you, you you instinctively reach for the phone. She admits to Miranda, I had this weird impulse to call somebody who isn't in my life anymore by Mm -hmm. choice, their Mm -hmm. choice. Mm -hmm. And uh, how sad is that? Mm -hmm. Miranda feels her sadness and does the chess move of reminding her of all her accomplishments, which is what our friends do. Mm-hmm. Miranda puts that out there, and Naya says, and here's the explosive thought <laughs> on the table, and no man to share it with. There, I've said it. Mm-hmm. And the idea to me of a strong person who manages deep thoughts as a teacher and legal arguments and complex thinking, to to know that she said a thing that you're not, it's not cool to say, mm-hmm. was the point. And whether we said the thing that was not cool, if she didn't say, there I said it, right, it would have been awful mm-hmm. <laughs> to me. Because she wouldn't have been aware of the dichotomy. Right. Yeah. Well, right. And we've gone against the trope of, the lonely divorced woman sitting at home eating Haagen-Dazs. Uh, Isn't for that night the on most eggs. naked moment, though? It is the most to naked moment. To reveal that to somebody? Absolutely. And it's a beautiful moment. And then it's a real moment because however well you're doing, there is that 
sorrow. And it's not saying that you need a man to share your life. It's saying that Naya felt the gap of her achievement versus her personal fulfillment. Which is the reality yeah. for so many accomplished women of every color that they are on their own. And there's a sadness there sometimes. And she's also, it's it's also just a moment. Yeah. Literally, it's just a moment. Because all she says is next is, I'm not going to the dinner. I don't feel like seeing people tonight. Yeah. She's, I just got the sense, I've acknowledged this emotional wound. I'm going to realign myself to know this isn't my identity. But I I think the most healthy thing is that she acknowledges it. Yeah. And then Miranda Always tenacious and, quite <laughs> frankly, smart as fuck, says, I understand. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is, every time anyone's seen this episode, the next sentence Cynthia says, which is not a laugh line, always gets a laugh. I understand, but can I just say? <laughs> and the thing episode. she says is Michelin chef. And there's something very nurturing about that moment. And- like affirming, nurturing, I'm with you, you're coming. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's also the best of Miranda because it's the Miranda, come on, we're going to pick ourselves yes, up. We're going to dust yes. ourselves off. And then the best of Naya goes, yeah. And then you'll have a wingman for Che. It's like, I see you and I raise you wingman for Che. But it, she does break through and she she changes the sadness to sarcasm, which is, I mean, come on, you can't ask for more mm-hmm, than that. Mm-hmm. Sadness to sarcasm. Yeah, for it's vintage people. Miranda. And the reason Cynthia's Miranda is so, I think, zen and centered in this conversation, she's just sitting in that chair reflecting, is because she's just come from a reunion with Steve. Mm. And the Steve-Miranda reunion has been in our hearts and souls. We knew we were writing to this. Since we were having trouble with them, we were like, what do we do for Steve. Mm-hmm. And we knew that we, he was at Coney Island and we knew that Miranda had a little bit of a disconnect when Carrie knew that he was there. Mm-hmm. And Carrie calls her out and says, you know, you have a, you can go. And she's dragging some baggage about how she ends relationships. So right after Charlotte wakes up in that fog of her, we cut to this bright sunny day and it's the most idyllic day in Coney Island and you see Miranda surprise Steve. And he is surprised. And what do we want out of this scene? I think Elisa. what we I think what we wanted was justice for Steve. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> we wanted well, closure. we didn't achieve it. We wanted closure. I think we wanted closure, that, that thing that everybody always talks about. But we wanted peace. Um, it's, what's, the, what's the opposite of closure? I'll opener? Um, because it's like... Growth, a new beginning, hope for... A new for, beginning. That's what we wanted. Uh I think in my mind, they're family to each other. They they still love each other. On some level, they they created this person together who they both love deeply. And they, you know, as you wrote so beautifully, they 
they built a life that made sense for a long time. And we were right for a very long time is such a moving line. And I wish so redemptive because it wasn't all a disaster. There's also a line in here that is so emotional to me who have written Steve since day one. And it's, and first of all, the first, well, I'll get to that line in a minute, but the first part of the scene is Steve sort of acknowledging that he's had a rough couple of years and that being with Miranda is like being on the roller coaster over there. He's mm-hmm. surprised his head's not smashed on the pavement. Mm-hmm. And that's important that she owned that. Here, his side. Mm-hmm. And you know, the olive branch is so tiny. He when Miranda doesn't know what he's talking about, the head on the pavement, he said, that happened to a prom kid once. And then she <laughs> says, well, I never went to my prom because of that, but mostly because no one asked me. And he says, what's wrong with those knuckleheads? Yeah. And that's he's the still, olive branch. Yes. And then they literally turn away from the roller coaster and they're looking out at the horizon. And the line that I love, that I felt important, and I'm getting emotional just to say it because it's very subtle. She says, you were always smart. Because mm. mm. in my mind, Steve always felt. Mm. He wasn't smart enough mm. for wasn't her. Smart. That wasn't she smart enough for educated and yeah. Yes. I really think that it's deeply in him that she was the smart one and he wasn't mm. about everything. And I had Miranda tell him, you were always the smart one mm-hmm. about certain things. Mm-hmm. And for me, emotionally, because it's still really emotionally, it's ridiculous how emotional I'm getting. It's a long time. I care so I mean, much this about is David yes. and you... Steve. And that combination of, I guess you would say, intellectual high-low. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that he winds up being that thing that I think most couples get, and I certainly get from Craig, my partner, is that smartness of what they know that's smart mm. that well, the, you don't yeah, have yeah, a clue right. about. Yes. And, the different, <laughs> and mean, as survival, I think we all have people in our lives that have a different series of smarts. And depending on yeah. who you're talking to, you seem like the smart one. I, but then they're really the smart one about 100% other things. I 100% agree with you. And I think that that is a wisdom. That is aging is Mm. learning that there are so many kinds of intelligence in the world. I don't, she wouldn't have been able to say that to him as a, even a 40 year old woman, she wouldn't be able to see that. But that is the, the, the intelligence that I think that you can get as you get older is just like the broader view of Emotional IQ. And also what's important, not being the first female at Harvard to be picked. Right. But now it's about life. You knew to pick a house in Brooklyn when no one was in Brooklyn. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and that he didn't care about what was fashionable. Right. That his he was always his values were always so pure. And I love his saying, What's wrong with those numbskulls? Because it reminds one, he's always found her beautiful. He's always found mm-hmm. her splendid. He's She's always been his prom queen. And he's still oh. giving her that. Yeah, and we love Steve. Don't we love Steve? I mean, yes. I mean, so much so that half the audience hated the show because of what we did to Steve the first <laughs> season. Just, but but you know, even that was with love. I mean, I mean you know, you know there, were, there were, when we did the Miranda telling Steve that she's going to, 
He says, are you asking if you want a divorce? You asking me for a divorce, <laughs> season one? The crew had on pins oh, yeah. that was either Steve's team face Steve. yeah, team Steve. or Miranda's <laughs> face. And Cynthia had on a Steve pin. <laughs> I had on Miranda and then on my inside. I had Steve. <laughs> but I love the thing that she says, I'd like to be there in your life if you let me. And he actually calls it out. But just as friends... Because mm-hmm. I don't want that other thing anymore. And, and that's, that's healthy growth for yeah. him. Mm-hmm. And then yes. he declared to Carrie, I'm never taking my wedding ring off. Yeah, he has come oh, uh, uh, to the point where he's like, I don't need to believe. I mean, it's this working class version of I don't need to participate in those old mores of I married you till death do my part. He's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to put myself through that roller coaster anymore. They're done. <laughs> the poetic Smart period on this moment is Brady. Right. Pausing to see them and mm. the huge relief on his face and without any words. I mean, that's beautiful writing of the stage direction and directing that he's, he knows his parents are okay and he's okay now. I think as a viewer, that is what I would be thinking about the most is I hope they get to a good place for Brady's mm. sake. Um, that was important mm-hmm. to me that they are like back on good terms because they have this kid yeah. to be responsible for until, you know, He's mm-hmm. 30. No one moves out anymore. No one uh, gets off the tip. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> yes. God. They he will be collaborate. there. <laughs> well, so we had, I love that. We had so much fun collaborating on all these characters. And now we're at the moment where the most decadent thing of all happens. We're going to see every character that's been on the show, minus the children, because it's a dinner party and Julie and Lisa wouldn't let me bring them. No, that's not true. I didn't want the kids either on this one. This is the one time I was like, no kids, please. It would have been awful if those kids Um, were there. the, The adult dinner party thrown by Carrie Bradshaw, who we all know is the center of the entire thing, is now sitting at the head of this table for 16 people. And the apartment, the discussion about the apartment and the thrill of that big, long table and what would Carrie Bradshaw put that? Karen Weisel Holmes, who was our set decorator. Lost many nights of sleep prepping for this scene. I mean, they were like, that's it. What are the flowers? I mean, coming in that door is like a runway. First of all, you see Sarah Jessica. In the off the runway, Oscar de la Renta, beautiful, uh, the most exquisite Alice in Wonderland. Off. The runway. Off the runway. It was it had steam coming off of it. It was from <laughs> them to her body, never been even it had just been photographed for the first time. And it was directly on her, and they knew. Because I said to them, Carrie's gonna be going up and down those stairs, so it's a thing. And that dress had a horsehair mm. uh, underneath Crinoline or yeah. something that kept it um out. So yeah. it never, it yep. never deflated. Mm. All night it stayed up. But then you look around, every single person, it's just like a character study in what Molly and Molly Rogers and Danny Santiago did in terms of the best of that character. It's a carnival of design. Well, LTWs and Christopher John Rogers, who's a very hot African-American oh. and designer. The jewelry and-, and, and I just want to say, because if you're watching the show, you might think that when we're doing this, 
we're working and everyone's just professional. But like for me, I'll just speak for myself. It was so special. (laughs) Those days that we shot the dinner party and they weren't at the end of the shoot. They were sort of towards the end of the shoot. It was such an indescribably exciting feeling yeah, to walk into Car- like even before they are the guests arrived walking into Carrie Bradshaw's apartment seeing it empty but filled the with closets empty just there was something very special and then the actors seeing each other getting well, so excited that was the most fun I mean, I mean in the world of um you know in the comic book world where I did work for a few years you would call this a crossover episode. It's like where all the characters from all different parts of the show get to come together. I mean, that little scene between Lizette and Che was so crazy. My favorite part is when Che says, "Ah, what the hell, I'm never going to see you again, which is probably true. Like, uh, these people's paths would not have crossed. If and Carrie it was important that we actually, you know, at a dinner party, you don't know someone, but there's a moment where you sort of, if you're connect, you connect to somebody. And it was fun to have people deeply connect. And all, all the storylines, I'll just run through them right now that we're that we're trying to work out through this thing. It the was first a tapestry. Thing, <laughs> the first moment, and it's kind of the last time we've seen LTW was in mm. the bedroom at dawn. When she had miscarried and she says to Herbert, he says, let's go to the hospital. And she says, okay, but I think it's too late. Mm -hmm. And then here she is standing Mm. tall. Looking gorgeous. Looking gorgeous. And Chris Jackson is Herbert done. Perfect suit, perfect tie, as always. Talking to Carrie, holding martinis. So that's our little nod to let the audience know. The baby's She's gone. drinking. The baby's mm-hmm. gone. And then Charlotte shows up and says to Carrie, oh, my God, it's so beautiful. Do you remember when we used to eat cold noodles out of boxes in here? Mm-hmm. And Carrie says, yes, I do. Anyway, so the first thing is that Charlotte notices the martini mm-hmm. right? and says, mm-hmm. you're drinking and LTW, Nicole Ari Parker with the subtle everything, shoots a look to her that tells her, don't talk about the Mm -hmm. baby. And she goes, oh, I'm not supposed to know. Mm -hmm. And then he says, we lost it. And she says, I miscarried. And Charlotte starts to react. And LTW says, not here. Not here. The appropriateness Mm -hmm. of not turning somebody's party. Mm -hmm. Into your sob fest. Mm -hmm. Or even your moment. She won't even let Charlotte have Mm -hmm. a moment because that's— Well, and I think she doesn't want to—she knows she'll probably— If she opens that door, yeah, it's a a very boundary Mm -hmm. person. Yeah, so you get the sense, oh, that she's pulled it together for tonight, Mm -hmm. and she's kind of holding it together. And then Harry walks in, and his acknowledgement about Charlotte's whole declaration of independence— is I'm going to keep doing this. He brings her the newest, most powerful (laughs) phone he can because she lost her other phone. And it's his way of saying, do it. Mm-hmm. Be, be powerful, you. Mm-hmm. be current. You. Here's your <laughs> yeah. phone. I'm with I, you. I, I mm-hmm. get it. I have your yep. back. Yeah. I'm supporting you. I'm giving you the, I'm the gonna tool stop you need. Mm-hmm. Well, at least I'm giving you a Tonight. phone. Tonight. Tonight. <laughs> exactly. it's, it's such a satisfying moment because that is the push and pull in a marriage, especially when the power dynamic is shifting. And just that 
it's it's one of the most romantic moments in television, I have to tell you, for those of us who've been married a long time. It's a grand gesture. And then you cut to Carrie going downstairs, and here's where you really see the dress. Float, 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 float. And it's Anthony and Giuseppe. Giuseppe. <laughs> and they start up the stairs, and Anthony says, stop looking at my ass. It's not on the menu. So you understand, still no movement. Mm, resolution. <laughs> No movement in that storyline. So the next time you see them, they're talking, and it's a group talking, and uh, LTW saying she loves Italy, she loves Rome, and Giuseppe announces that he's going to be returning. To Italy, because it's too, there are too many, it's too difficult to penetrate. I believe the word New is York. impenetrable. Yeah, the publishing <laughs> industry. And Charlotte, ever still Charlotte, even though she's the new Charlotte, she says, but you're coming back, you know, like, because she's trying to keep the happy yes, couple. Yes, happy ending. Yeah. Her and he couple goes, after I all. don't know. Mm-hmm. And Anthony is thrown. And then later in the closet, which they're not in the closet, <laughs> but later in the closet... He says, I won't let you fuck me and you're leaving the country. Mm-hmm. And Anthony and Giuseppe says, it's not about that wall. It's about all your walls. Mm-hmm. And at that point, Lisette pops out of the bathroom. And I swear to God, she's like uh, Tinkerbell through the show. <laughs> it's like, I'm, and, and, you know, Katerina Tannenbaum plays, uh, plays Lisette. And I just love her so much. And I said to her, <laughs> come out of the bathroom, run through the, just just interrupt this scene. And, and notice that Carrie left you the old bras she talked about from the 80s. So mm-hmm. it interrupts them. And basically, Giuseppe says, I told you, I, you're, you don't let me in. And, mm-hmm. and Anthony cracks. Mm-hmm. He says, I have walls up. It's mm-hmm. my problem. I've, he's referencing the Stanford relationship. Mm-hmm. And also the only time I've ever been in love, I called all the shots, which is such a, it's a self-aware thing of yeah. him to say. And yeah. you know that Anthony called yes. all the shots with Stanford and Stanford that was, was no fine. Secret. And then at that moment, that scene's interrupted by Carrie introducing her, her kitty. Her kitty. To her family. Hello, kitty. Mm. And the cat's name is Shu, which well, is cute. And what the really this moment is about is, aside from the fact that Carrie's introducing her new family to her her current family, is LTW hearing the word, put my baby to bed. Mm-hmm. I got to go put my baby to bed. Mm-hmm. And what she's been holding starts to come up and she excuses herself. And goes through the closet where the boys have made up and are now making out. <laughs> and goes into the bathroom. And then they start making out again. And at one point I said to them, you know, they were making out through the whole thing. I go, this, you can yeah. do that in real life. You'd only do that in a show. Yeah, I, I said, when I, somebody I, comes in, stop making out. Come, come out of I the mean, 90s sitcom that you're doing right I mean, now. you guys aren't you're, that safe in the world. Even though, I mean, somebody comes in, you reflectively stop making out just for it. I, I would hope that heterosexual people would also yes. stop. I can't speak for them <laughs> uh, since I'm no longer one. Anyway, the point is... Then Herbert interrupts and they stop and goes in. And here's what I love about the Herbert uh, LTW scene in the bathroom. I didn't tell her what to do. She sat down on that tub. And then I was so moved. It's like when Carrie drank the whole Cosmo mm-hmm. in you the didn't episode before. That I did not picture that. How and did that's you picture the joy. It? Somewhere in the bathroom. I actually standing. did. I knew you they were in the bathroom and I thought they were standing. It's there, but what it wasn't even a 
physical decision she made. It was an emotional thing she was playing. The minute I saw her sit down on that, what used to be a rented apartment, low bathroom. We never really redid Carrie's bathroom from back in the day. And then Chris Jackson sat down there with her. I was like, I never mm. imagined that. And then when they were in the clothing, that high, mm-hmm. high level, those exalted high-end characters sitting down in Carrie Bradshaw's slum of a tub from back in the day. I was so moved. And you know, when that happens, sometimes you're just like, I wish it was a play. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to have to ask them to do it again mm-hmm. and again yeah. and again and again because you go in and you shoot it and there's coverage. But boy, they were amazing. Amazing and soft and knowledgeable. And I feel like Herbert does what only he could do in that moment, which is to both let her say the thing, the scary, awful thing she says. Did I wish the baby away? You didn't wish anything away. Don't you even think like that? Get that thought out of your beautiful head. I just feel so guilty about everything I said. You have feelings. We both have feelings. I was thrown too, but Lisa, thoughts are only thoughts. And they're nothing to feel guilty about. It wasn't meant to be. Wasn't meant to be. God has other plans for us. This speaks to the specificity of this African American couple, which is something again we don't see very often portrayed uh, on film or uh, on television. And it was, it's, it's a very moving moment. It shows the depth of their love and the depth of their bond. And we lightly touch on the fact that this is a man of faith, which is mm-hmm. also often culturally accurate, not always. Yeah, and the thing I love most about the scene at the end after this beautiful thing, he says, do you want to go home? Mm. And she says, no, the table is so pretty. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. (laughs) The idea that she's going to lift herself up and be aesthetic and like, I'll look at the flowers and feel good. But that harkens back to the kind of emotional discipline that Herbert didn't display in the cab episode (laughs) and that his mother was reminding him of, that there is this stoicism and there is this blackness oblige, if you will, and this dignity, and it's it's not all about us. Our hostess has made mm-hmm. an effort, and we're going to move forward. And that she recognizes beauty. Yes. And it's important. It fuels her and makes her yeah. happy. And th- they decide to go to the dinner. And meanwhile, they while are. this yeah. is happening inside, Che is meeting Lisette outside. They enter the party, first of all. Good friend. Also, comes solo. Very strong character, I think. Shows up, sees Lisette. Lisette is... Starstruck, mm-hmm. which is fun. Mm-hmm. That you know, someone <laughs> is geeked out. Like, and the, and the dialogue is so awkward. Like, <laughs> and Lisette, Katarina plays like, do you have any new uh, c- comedy thing? Coming? <laughs> like, it's like a jewelry designer talking to a stand-up about show business and doesn't even have the words. And Che's given her the kind of like, yeah, hi, I'm polite. 
And then they, and then Che goes, look, it's the thing Julie was talking about. Yeah, Julie. it it felt to me very real that um, that that moment when you are talking to a stranger at a friend. party. <laughs> yes, it's like, how honest am I going to be? And then Che's like, fuck it, I'm never going to see you again. Anyway. <laughs> no, I mean, and, um, and I like that about Che. They call it out and make this like, I, I'm going for broke here. And they say they're emotionally transitioning. The old me isn't here, is done, doesn't work, and the new me isn't here yet, which is a very big journey. And we had a lot of conversations about what would the quote-unquote happy ending look like for Che? Because we thought, do we have to give them an, a, a, neat, a full happy ending? And every time we tried to tie them up, it felt awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because even Sada yeah. was talking to me earlier when we were figuring out like what are we going to do, and I was like, I I feel like it's something that's unfinished in a mm. great way. It's like somebody acknowledging I'm in transition, yeah, emotionally yeah. and being wise, and otherwise like happy endings. No, the most we can achieve is acknowledgement, like Naya did. Look what I just said about myself. I'm aware that mm-hmm. it doesn't work. Chase going, what I was doesn't work. What I am isn't here yet. And mm-hmm. that's the most we could do. Everybody. And I'm okay. Being and in we this like it. Stage it's, of limbo. And then, you know, and then of course it's interrupted by the reunion of Jackie and <laughs> Oh Chay. my God. <laughs> and, you know, after that, in walks downstairs Naya and Miranda. And Naya enters the party saying, don't leave me. <laughs> I got your back, you got mine. And here is our biggest stunt of this season. You think Samantha was the hard stunt? No. What we wanted to do was introduce a character in the very first episode for Naya, have him not disappear. Not see him again. Not see him, but we knew he was going to show up. Somewhere. At, at the end. When she least expected Toussaint, it. Toussaint, who was in a restaurant earlier and talked about her purse being a, 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 rampart. Rampart. a rampart, shows up out of the downstairs apartment as the Michelin chef and Naya's gobsmacked. <laughs> and, <laughs> because he's and beautiful. I have to say, this, if I didn't live in New York City, Brooklyn specifically, I would think like, oh, how convenient. It happens all the time in New York. Like you will not see someone for years on end and then see them twice. And Exactly. Your your paths start to cross. And he's also an avatar for a whole new wave of celebrity chefs of color like Marcus Samuelson and uh, Kwame Unwachi. And he's just this beautiful, multicultural Mm. man. And what's really not common is to get Gary, that amazing (laughs) actor, to say, I'll do one and then I'll come back at the end. I mean, we had to like say, Gary, it's important. It seems like it's not one just scene, one day, scene, but it's not. <laughs> it's the end of an arc that we've yes. been building for 11 episodes. And he's like, all right, mm-hmm. let's do it. And he's one of a kind. And so, of course, Naya's thrown. And we wanted to give her a victory, mm-hmm. um, not just professionally, which we also wanted to do, but it's like she 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 earned that. Yeah, we wanted to give it's her like a present. A, uh, <laughs> uh, I guess a chef's kiss, mm-hmm. if I will, of a happy ending. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the, Miranda goes upstairs, and there is Che. Mm-hmm. So now this moment is a, what are we going to do with this moment? Well, and Samantha, we have to get your thoughts on the poetry of it. This discussion happening. 
in about the that. kitchen. At the scene of the, of the uh, erotic crime. Yes. Famous <laughs> it, fingering. It is the scene of the crime. It is where Che's doing shots with the bartender, which I love, by the way. And then Miranda walks in and sees them and charges ahead. Doesn't even hesitate. Taps yeah. Che on the shoulder. Che turns around, doesn't know who it is, almost chokes so like on the lime wedge. double shake. <laughs> and then Miranda says, hi, we can't ruin Carrie's party. <laughs> like aggressive, yeah. hi, we can't ruin Carrie's and party. And take charge. But just getting like, to Miranda, and, yeah. we always knew. And this is also thanks to Carrie telling her, you're you coming to You have to, to come. You yeah. can't avoid up. it. So be a grown-up. You're not you're you're so alive. She put her big girl pants. Because people are not alive in Carrie's life, and you're alive and you're coming. And so uh Che immediately apologizes on purpose. We wanted Che to yeah. feel what they did in the stand-up club and says, if I'd known you were there, I would have never done those jokes. And then Miranda but says they were the funny, real right? thing, like the real hurt was like did you actually feel that way? She asks Che, what were we? And Che says, Miranda, we were a train wreck. Because they were. And the entire viewing audience <laughs> exhales. Everyone exhales but Miranda, who wants to make this something right. that needed to happen. And Cynthia's portrayal, and she asked me, like, why is Miranda saying this? Mm. And I said, Miranda's saying, I didn't go through all of this mm. to be, you know, dead on the side of a train wreck. <laughs> you know, she wants, and for it us. It's to be for something, for not something. for nothing. Right. And so she says, but you we were like a good a train good wreck. wreck. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Well, She's and the beautiful reaching. line about it takes you where you need to, mm. someplace that you needed to go. And that is true of certain relationships. And no other train could get you get there. Get you there. And it's that's shut. the truth. Yep. No other train but Che could have gotten Miranda out of that um, dead file that she was living in, which was unrealized career-wise, unrealized mm. marriage-wise. Unrealized sexually. And unrealized personally. Like, her identity was unrealized. She had lost herself. And then uh, Carrie sp spins by and checks in on her two friends. Everything okay? Great hostess. Not going to get down in any sad right, moment right, with you. Right. Just is there any triage that needs Checking to happen? Checking in. <laughs> but I'm a hostess. I got to move. Give me a shout out if you need a flare. But goodbye. And then in walks Seema and Ravi. Now the the idea of Seema being with a man that she said she loves so quickly for Seema's book. I mean, you can meet somebody and in two days say, I love you, and it's accurate. But Seema does not allow that. She don't play that. Mm -hmm. So now she's with Ravi and is pulling away. And Carrie gets stuck talking to them or talking at <laughs> them because Seema's on an island by herself. They're just shut and down. And Ravi's just watching Carrie go on and on about this new painting. <laughs> and she's looking at Seema like, are you going to join me? <laughs> and, uh, Help. You know, or that am thing, I doing this fan dance on my own? <laughs> that thing where you're suddenly in a, a deep TED talk with your Self. best friend's person? <laughs> <laughs> who you don't even know? 
<laughs> and then Seema's just sipping her drink and looking in the kitchen for no reason. <laughs> and then Ravi gets a phone call and from the studio because his movie's in some sort of flux. And and Carrie calls Seema out and says, you've got to add something to this conversation. You're not and a talent. Seema says, I'm not going to put any more into this. I said I'd love you too soon. The last time I did this was when I was a temp in 1990, and I slept with the junior partner, and then they let me go because I was saying I was a temp. And Carrie goes, you, you were, were a temp. <laughs> and Carrie tells her, you're afraid. This is tough love. And it's sort of like finally they've had they've had a number of moments where Seema has basically held up a mirror to Carrie and said, you've had love. So now I feel like Carrie is actually witnessing what is possibly a pattern for Seema, which is like, here's a guy who appears to be completely into you and you're pushing him away. And she says, I think you may be afraid. It's the thing you've been waiting for. Now, we don't even know if we're yeah. on board with Seema's relationship, but we know that Seema's behaving in a fearful way, which tells Carrie, breathe, she mm -hmm. says to her, breathe. Mm -hmm. And then that very moving line, you're not a temp. And Seema's reaction to that speaks volumes. She takes the advice uh, she gets another drink, and then in the middle of the dinner scene, she goes down. After after Toussaint has introduced everybody to exploding molecular olives, <laughs> yes, I did the research. <laughs> and, and and by the way, you've been to the dinner parties. <laughs> Spoiler alert: How many calls did I? We made molecular olives, and you know they're perfect. They're done. They're made with olive essence and oil and they hold together on the spoon and explode in your mouth just for the joke when Naya says to Toussaint very eye to eye ooh that exploded in my mouth I wasn't expecting that yes we're still born of the sex in the city world we're doing exploding man things in her mouth but the next day after two I think we did the olives all in one day that all the actors started going did you have a little problem when you went home did you, did you have a little problem when you went home? Wait, did you, seriously? And, uh, yeah. There was a lot of- So they're uh, a wonderful laxative? They're a, they're a, they're a, they're olive? A lot of the Sterical. olive oil. The uh, oil, the, the content. Oil. And you know, because in the no. show, folks, spoiler alert, it's not really happening. They had to eat a lot of molecular olives. Now, I'm, and there was <laughs> You're just- You're supposed to have one or two. I'm learning. Yeah, but, and, you know, and, and Carrie Bradshaw, by the way, is game. As she says to Che- <laughs> Should we just dive in? And they just start eating these molecular olives. And it's like, Kristen was like, I didn't eat any. <laughs> Kristen was the only one. Fake. She mimed eating. Ooh, she just didn't eat them. I'm just saying, everybody who didn't have olives didn't, didn't have, have a problem. A problem. <laughs> anyway, um, here's the point. The point is, Aravi uh, uh, excuses himself during the olives and goes downstairs. And Seema comes out and says, you've been down here since the appetizers as the main courses are going up. Now, this scene is important. And this was a scene that was changed on, on the, the day. day. Because <laughs> the idea is that she's calling him out. His plot point is that now he has to leave New York because of the movie director in me knows there's a sudden shift and they can only get the the great sphinx and he has to leave and she takes it as fuel to fuel her red flagness right, she's like, Aha! that you're dumping <laughs> me because I said Proof. I love you. So the first person who came to me was, I think, uh, the ambassador from Susan Fales Hillville, <laughs> who said to me, it's time for him to say something 
back. Yeah. What did you want in the show this that was wasn't a great there? Spiel. I wanted him to say, stop it. This is an insult to us and to me. I have given you no reason. I am here. Stop acting like a child, basically, in a more loving way. Right. And, not, and to really— Not just to disabuse her, not just to say, no, it's not true, but, like, you're actually insulting me. And, you know, uh, Seema— played by, of course, Larita, just literally blanches and it stops her in her tracks. Yep. And that was very important. And you said, it's the only way we can continue. And what it's on brand about this, which is very Sex in the City, is occasionally the male characters put a spotlight on the fact that it's not them. Mm -hmm. yes. It's you. Yeah. And that's what stops us from being a soapbox show where everybody goes, women are this and men, men are, are that. Right. And I'm being just, and you're right. the man. Yeah. And men are bad. Men are bad. <laughs> it's like, you're creating a problem and I'm with yeah. my words telling you that. Mm -hmm. right. And the other thing was the scene that's coming up is the really the most important development in the writing room, which is the scene where they all go around the table and re and release one thing that they no longer want. And I thought, and this is a problem-solving moment. I knew that this was a problem because I had 16 characters around a table and I knew that's an impossibility. What the hell are they going to talk about? And what's the page count? And how do you shoot it? And so I actually was like, well, what is this scene about? And I really didn't know. And I put the pencil on the paper and all of a sudden it came into my mind. Carrie comes up with a game that they have to go around the table, say one word and release everything. And in two minutes, I went to the computer and wrote each of their words and where they were sitting around the table and who was saying what to what. And it was the least effort in the entire show. And it was, because that's when I think it's not from you. It's from, I it's don't know, your higher self or somewhere. Yeah. It's in the world. You're like a little, you know, be, be, to be very ooky, spooky, spiritual about it. <laughs> you're the open vessel that suddenly gets this help. And all of a sudden I was like, hey, A, it's poetic. B, Carrie's hosting a party, and this is a fun thing you would do at a party. Mm -hmm. See, it's one word. And in that one word, they can each resonate their season or their current moment. Mm -hmm. For example, LTW gives away guilt. Mm -hmm. And the rule is, if somebody says your word, you have to pick a new word. And right before LTW gives away guilt, Miranda says guilt and then LTW goes, oh, sugar. That's her word, by the way. That's, <laughs> that's a Nicole Ari Parker. No. Instead of saying shit, sugar. she says sugar. She goes, oh, sh that was my word. And then she thinks about a new word. And she looks down the table after knowing what she just had, that scene in the bathroom, where he said, you have nothing to be guilty about. She looks at Carrie Bradshaw, who, by the way, Sarah Jessica, another actor choice, decided to stand. And I never... Imagine that. Mm. She started, literally stood at the head of that table and held the energy for everybody. Mm -hmm. And she looks at Carrie standing there and says, sorry, Carrie, it's guilt. Carrie looks back at her and nods, it's okay. And then the next thing, which is the best part of it all, is hedge fund, mm. Brooks brother. Yeah. Always fully realized knows man what to say. is so overcome with emotion, he can't play it. And he says, you're going to have to come back to me. 
But that was the fun and it was the surprise. And you reading it going, what's this? And I go, I know, like it's a gift we give each other every now and then, how we interpret these ideas. And then Carrie gives this speech, Mm. which is just about letting go of expectations. And in some way, it's a voiceover Mm -hmm. from Sex and the City, Mm -hmm. but really happening the way Carrie speaks. So you say, oh, that's how she writes, but this is how she speaks. Mm -hmm. And she says, let's, I'm giving away expectations. Expectations. And to be clear, I'm not talking about having dreams or wanting something to happen. It's so important. I'm talking about, you know, assuming things will go the way we think they should for whatever reason, because you never know what tomorrow will bring. And it might be greater than anything you ever expected. Carrie, that was way more than one word. (laughs) 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 And Michael Birnbaum, who is the editor extraordinaire that I've worked with on the series and on the movies, surprised me, here's where I was surprised, by choosing who to cut to, Mm. to hear what Carrie's saying. And it was so interesting. He cut to Seema. He cut to Mm. Giuseppe, people that I wouldn't have expected. And all of a sudden, he's telling me now what the show is. I mean, it's just surprising what, how much collaboration goes into, here's your idea. Then the editor takes it and goes, I see you. But what if Naya, Mm. you cut to Naya on a word and how that would affect the audience. So he's a genius. And then you get out of that scene and it's just Charlotte and Harry and Uh. Carrie having dessert. And then Miranda comes out of the bathroom and her storyline goes to someplace we really were sure was going to happen. Which is Uh. Human Rights Watch, Raina, just got a call. Something's happening Somebody from Human Rights Watch has to go on um, the BBC. And she can't because ripped. she left her baby. And we love this as a way to end Miranda's journey of finding herself, getting back to work, doing something. Yeah, we she always felt so um, good at. bad that Miranda had left her job and still hadn't realize this goal, which she says in the first episode of In Just Like That, season one, is I want to do more in the world. I was sick of just wearing a pink pussy hat. I needed to do more. I needed to talk about people and humanitarian and do what, go someplace where it matters, make a difference in someone's life. We wanted her to have a success and we wanted to say, I'm Miranda Hobbs, and Mm -hmm. I'm speaking for the Human Rights Watch. So in order to do that, it feels very broadcast news in in, Mm. in a compliment to the James L. Brooks kind of like suddenly somebody's thrust on camera. Which actually happens. She flies out of there, and she gets a cab that has the Museum of Sex. Wink, wink, get it, because we're a sex, (laughs) and we're (laughs) a Museum of Sex. And then she goes, and she's met by Joy, and that's played— by Dolly Wells. Dolly Wells, the who fabulous. is the fabulous actress, the fabulous writer. And Dolly said she would play Joy, who is the the BBC rep who Miranda met at the UN. And they sit down and Joy is taking her purse and says, here we go. Are you ready? You'll do fine. And afterwards, we'll go for a drink. And Miranda says, I don't drink. And Joy says, you might. You, might. you know, that <laughs> irreverent. British humor. British humor. And then the most important thing that happens right before they go on, Miranda does what? 
looks at her initials, which was a way to... Uh, her tattoo Her tattoo, initial. a callback to episode three. And which is really her, her... Her reclaiming of herself. Re- exactly. And she says she wants to do something that reminds her not to slip back. And there she is pulling strength from her own mm. name. And she goes on TV and says that. Yeah. And while Cynthia is playing Miranda, who's <laughs> doing very well, and, and, and you can see Joy nodding, you're killing it. We cut to uh, Seema and Ravi home, and he has a fix to her problem that they're going to be separated. You'll go with me to Cairo for five months. And here this smart, successful woman says, I'm not giving up everything I've worked so hard with for a man, full stop. We, we, we circle this a lot, right? Like back to Carrie and Petrovsky in Paris and, uh, right. and uh, Miranda and Che in L.A. So, yeah, I mean, I mean it, there, there's a case to be made, but I think, yeah, I don't think any of us really imagined Seema picking up. I mean, Well, you- it really, it's just there that he says, so now what? And she says, I'm afraid to. And he says, I'm coming back, you know, because yeah. you made me sign. I love you. And you made me sign that at ironclad <laughs> lease on the apartment. Right. That's the joke that gets her to laugh. So, and now we come back to Carrie and her new best friend, the kitten. And she's doing the post conversation about the party. And she mm. hears a tick, tick, tick on the window. Mm. Oh, I'm, I'm sort of dreading this conversation even. And she looks out the window <laughs> and there is Aiden throwing a rock up at the window much like she threw a rock up at his window in Sex and the City when she visited him at night after his second return. And she says, come on up. And he says, I was working the buzzer. That's writing justification. And Carrie says it broke because of so many activity tonight. And he walks into the apartment and then she realizes what? That he's He's broken his own rule. That he's actually there, and this can't be a good sign. (laughs) Um, I mean, and he has such a state of calm and presence. Mm. I I felt like when he walks in there, he doesn't appear nervous. He, I feel like he's resolute. And he pulls up a chair and says, "Come here, sit down." And she also notices he doesn't have luggage. That's the first shoe that drops. The plot point is simply that Aiden believes now that bad things happen if he's not there. He admits to her that he's really the home for these three boys. Mm -hmm. And that's who he's always been. And that this kid, Wyatt, had uh, psilocybin in his system. He had been on mushrooms and drunk. And that was important too, because Samantha's like, drunk is not enough. It has to go. It has to go. It has to be complicated. Yeah, the kids don't get drunk now. I mean, the reality is also that we are now building the case Mm -hmm. for what becomes the plot of what we decided to do the entire second season, which is we're bringing Aiden back. She's not going to hurt him because she knows she can't, and we also don't want the fans to think we did that again. (laughs) So he's going to hurt her. And the only way we knew that he would ever pull away from her is if the bigger love, and every parent would assume 
that this is a bigger love. It is the responsibility and your love for your children. So he says to her, and this will be the debatable point. I was going to mm-hmm. say, this is this is. Can you give me debatable. time until they're out of their teens? To why it's out of his teens. Not all of them, yep. but they all need me. But And she goes, that's six years. And then he desperately says, it's five, his birthday's next week. <laughs> so the question is, <laughs> are, what is happening right now? Well, we also gave the audience some new information, which is that he he really is the primary parent, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that is certainly not a traditional thing. Or, she's, or he feels that he is. Yeah, and she's definitely trying to work. Of course, you be there as long as you need to be. And he goes, no, I can't keep doing what we're doing. That's the first horror right. movie. And the second one is she's like, well, I'll— Good, Ugh. I'll come down to you. And he says, no, because I'll only be thinking of you if you're mm-hmm. there. And she says, are you never even going to think of me? And he says, I think about nothing but you. So that's the most he can nothing give her. Nothing of the fingers. And then yeah. he snaps and says, it's it's only five years. And we haven't seen each other in 10 years. And it went by like that in five years. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't snap, he says, because I already did, but you didn't see it. How That's how quick it was. Mm-hmm. And she blows out the candle. Mm-hmm. And there's, as the smoke of their relationship rises, literally, and that was not intended, when she blew out that candle, it was like the most visual special effects that really wasn't a special effect. She says, I thought I'd given up. And he says, given up what? She says, expectations, mm. which is the thing she had talked about everybody giving up at the dinner. So we have this complicated mm. thing happening now. We go into a montage where Michael Bierenbaum beautifully edited it. And it's this beautiful song called Golden Hour. And it's where everybody is. And we see that um, Charlotte and Harry are doing the very (laughs) commonplace thing of trying to be in a bed and start their phone. And iPhone working. And and then Charlotte says, should we get rock? And he says, no, we can do this together. So that's their story. Then we see Miranda and Joy having drinks. And Miranda is looking at Joy like something real is happening yes, or and, something and, smart is happening. Well, and you see they're equally yoked as the expression yes. goes. These are two women who belong they, together. They, yeah, they're, they're, they're complementary they're, of they each match. other. And they match. Their energy. And I will say when we filmed it, they were just chattering away as if they were... Yeah, the oldest but best new friends with each other. It was it. it Whoever was we wanted quite to, entertaining. Well to give Miranda to end the season with, it had to be an equal or someone who's even got information she doesn't have. Yes, mm-hmm. that's and it. that's what you get. Like, oh, I'm punching a up at me. Yeah, and then uh, you know Naya and uh, Toussaint come home, and we talked a lot about we don't want them to be in bed. We don't want to start We've because seen, Naya was yeah, not in bed in the first montage. Yeah, and we wanted it to be something more. So he says, do you have anything to eat? And she says, we ate. And he goes, well, I didn't. Because of course the chefs never eat. And she says, come on in. Mm -hmm. And that's her. We know she cooks. Mm -hmm. This is her inviting him into her kitchen. And it's much more intimate than it would be since we've seen her have quite a bit of sex. And we see Seema and Ravi post-sex, both smoking, Mm -hmm. sitting in a bed and talking, and he's looking at his phone, and she takes it away, and then he picks it up again, and she's still talking, and And they're they're having a conversation and laughing. 
And then we see Carrie and Aiden. And it's the most open I've ever yeah, seen those two sad. actors. I was surprised and they're I really naked liked and they were. they're open and it's fun. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that's so interesting about how they played it. It's like this they're deeply connected, but it's not like I'm holding on to you because yeah, I'll never not see you again. No, and all these montages, <laughs> we wanted to move past one moment and show many moments, like this whole last night in that bed that they've never slept in. Yeah. They're just there with each other. And you see him laughing, you see him She's on top of him at one point, and he's just looking into her face, and then they fall asleep, and they're in the nook, if you mm. remember, the old Sex in the City, Carrie, Aiden, mm-hmm. she used yeah. to sleep in his nook, but now she's on her own, and he's mm. pulling up next to her. Mm-hmm. And the thing that is, this is another surprise, because this is where the cut departs from where I, I wrote in the script, because I ended with Carrie and Aiden, you would think. Right. And then Michael chose to put Herbert and LTW last, which is like such a surprise, Mm -hmm. but it's profound how far up we've moved them. Mm -hmm. No, they're a central couple Mm -hmm. now and And they're very tender together. Yeah, And and I loved that they obviously we've established they have this very uh, great active sex life together, but that. This was not a moment that we needed to see that. It this was is just sleeping. intimacy yeah. and through the night, different positions. Together, they're safe with each other. And yeah. just moving together mm-hmm. in different ways, they're in but they're in the same bed and mm-hmm. the same emotional Space. state. It's mm-hmm. very delicate and very beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then you, uh, you end in the montage of Carrie and Aiden walking to the door. So she says, no matter what happens... This, and she points to the new apartment, which is very important for us to claim that new apartment. And then she points to them, and this was not a mistake, echoing Mm. what he said about their apartment. They both, in the last episode, how they both made mistakes. And he says, and it's the most clean, effortless performance. Nothing bad's going to happen. Yeah, and then she stands at that window. With with shoe. With shoe. And and it's quite happy. She's... Complete in herself, you know, it's not as if like her other half is leaving. Right. It's there's hope. You feel, yeah, you feel Carrie Bradshaw's going to be think okay. About what happened and what you all think that, that what their individual states are. We wanted to end with that moment of believing the truth of they've made this connection and it's going to stay there. And then she closes the window and Seema calls and says, I've got us. We're not going to, he's gone. Yeah. Ravi's gone. Aiden's gone. We're not gonna we're gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna we're gonna sit in this hot city. We're gonna go to a beach. And we cut to them. And Carrie says, I'm not going to the Hamptons, they're in Greece. Mm -hmm. The glamour. We knew, I knew it was gonna end before anything that Carrie and Seema would be sitting on a beach in Greece looking out at the horizon. Mm -hmm. That it would not end with Carrie and Aiden. And I'm I'm mm-hmm. so glad. I knew that, and then I me forgot too. it when we were shooting that day. Mm-hmm. And then you reminded me, this isn't the end. It's like, oh, right. Thank and they, God. They right. ask it always... the dramatic question, um, will they come back? And then they say, uh, well, there will always be more. Men, no cocktails. <laughs> and even in, in our only little tip to you, the audience, the, the people who are watching this and wondering what we're thinking— 
there's a little tiny thread of what we're thinking at the end, which is uh, Seema says, well, we ran at love. Where did mm. it get us? In Greece. And then she goes, I'm waiting five months and you're waiting five years. And mm. Carrie says, well, I may get some time off for good behavior. Like, you would only say that if you already are going, it's not going to be five years. <laughs> you know, she's very cute. But then she does move on to say there'll be others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then she it's ends. Open. And you know, we try to sometimes end with these poetic lines, and just <laughs> like that. Well, first of all, the very first one was in "Just Like That." Big died. You can't get more poetic mm-hmm. than that. Or I repurposed my pain this season. Mm-hmm. And when I tried to write something poetic for this, it was just too forced. So I thought, what's the most poetic thing Carrie Bradshaw can do? She she orders two more drinks. This isn't just like that. I ordered two more Cosmopolitans. We've loved writing this season, all of us. We've loved, uh, it's our personal joy to write these characters because they all have parts of us in them and parts of our friends, as you've heard, and parts of our lovers and husbands. And our family. Wives, and it's... Whether they like it or not. Children. We really love our children, all of us. (laughs) Really. The fact of the the matter is, we've done a little journey of these characters, and hopefully you've known... The original one's very long, so you've enjoyed the new sides we've done. We've taken some big risks with bringing people back that we knew we wanted to. And we hopefully, you like our new people more because you know them. you know them more. It's been a really thrilling show to write this season. And I hope that you enjoyed us talking about us writing it this season. (laughs) And just like that, it is the end of episode 11 and the season of this podcast. Thanks, Julie, Elisa, Susan, and Samantha for joining me today. And thank all of you listeners for joining us in the writer's room. And just like that, the writer's room is produced by Neon Hum Media for Max. At Neon Hum, Sharon Morris is the executive producer. Joanna Clay is the lead producer. Sammy Allison is our head of production. Zoe Culkin is our associate producer. Sam Baer is our engineer. That's it for the show. Thank you for listening. Hacks is coming back, and so is the official Hacks podcast. With us, your hosts. I'm Paul W. Downs. I'm Jen Statsky. And I'm Lucia Aniello. We're the creators and showrunners. Each week on the podcast, we'll break down the new episodes. We'll also have special guests, cast and crew from the show like Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart. Hack Season 3 is available to stream now on Max. Be sure to listen wherever you get your podcasts or listen directly on Max.